Hello, and welcome to Follow Your Curiosity, where we explore the ups and downs of the creative process and how to keep it moving. I'm your host, Nancy Norbeck. I am a writer, singer, improv comedy newbie, science fiction geek, and creativity coach who loves helping right-brained folks get unstuck. I am so excited to be coming to you with interviews and coaching calls to show you the depth and breadth both of creative pursuits and creative people, to give you some insight into their experiences, and to inspire you. Today's guest is Adam Dietz. Adam's creative journey has taken him from northern central Pennsylvania to Westminster Choir College in New Jersey, to the theater scene in New York, and ultimately back home to Pennsylvania. Among other things, we talk about how the theater industry has changed and how you can still exercise your creative side in a rural area. Here's my conversation with Adam Dietz. So let me ask you the obvious question first, or at least the question that seems most obvious to me, which is, what's it like auditioning for shows in New York? Is it like what we see on TV, or is it really, really different? Um, or just somewhat different? the same. Um, there's you know, there's the drama and the stress, and there's you know the hordes of people. Um, and I would say in the in the short time that I was part of that industry, which was about four years, I mean, I saw the competition just grow exponentially and I think that was because of what we see on TV and all these kids that are maybe going to school for it um, to study musical theater or even just voice performance or what have you and they kind of are coming out of it still with this attitude it's just like well you know I have this training now and if I just go to this audition I'm just gonna make it big overnight and that's just not how it works uh, it's it's like any any other um industry or type of employment. I mean, there's, there's so many politics involved as well as I've learned. Mm -hmm. Um, so I would say the actual talent, um, portion of what you bring to the table only probably counts for like maybe 10 to 20% of like actually what they're considering when they're looking to cast something, you know, um, the rest is kind of based, well, what have you done? Who have you know? Like, what do you look like? Um, so, which can be very discouraging. Sure. Yeah. Um, and so when you go to some of these open calls for say like a national tour or something, and you have like 400 people showing up, it's like, oh my gosh, you know, first of all, you sit there, um, all day, you know, which some people don't mind, you know, they bring stuff to do or they, you know talk with their friends that they, you know, see while they're there. Other people, I mean, that really works on your nerves for the whole day until you actually get a chance to go in and yeah, get sure that helps the other and get, have your, yeah. And then sometimes, <laughs> you know, you're in there for such a short time. So as it is. And then sometimes if it gets to the point where, okay, you know, we're really running behind, um, even if they have a few days of auditions, they might say, well, instead of singing your 16 bars of music, you can only sing eight. Like, I've had that happen. Had wow. that happen. A lot. What do you do with eight bars of music? I mean, sing your loudest high note you possibly can. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's amazingly little. Yeah. So, and because I didn't um, study musical theater, my degree is in music edu education, you know, I didn't have, um, I didn't have the dance training. I didn't have um, the acting training. I mean, I had experience from high school productions and stuff that I did in college. Um, so, and I think, um, 
that was another change I, I started to see in the industry, especially after the economy tanked, is that, you know, they were only looking at kids that really were triple threats. Because, um, you know, theaters couldn't afford to hire separate dance troops to come in and mm-hmm. do those numbers, you know, and then have your leads come in and sing all the big songs, that sort of thing. So, um, yeah, so that kind of really limited me. Um, and I accepted that, but, um, yeah, so that's even, enough, you know, more reason. I was just like, okay, I think it may be time to just move on before um, it got to a point where I left that world with a really bitter taste in my mouth and I didn't want that to happen because I enjoyed it too much. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Okay. So, so what kind of things did you do before you left? Um, as far as musical theater or just in general in the city? In general. I mean, both. Um, well, while I, when I first moved to the city, I moved to Manhattan from Princeton, New Jersey, and I was working, um, I always had a church job. Um, which was a totally new concept to me when I moved to Princeton because around here, people that were involved in their church that way just volunteered their time Mm -hmm. because they wanted to do it. Um, So when I got down there and got to Westminster, I was like, we can get paid to sing? (laughs) Like, that's like too easy. (laughs) So, um, So I had a church job. I was working at Banana Republic. Um... And so that was kind of my, um, really helped with the transition because I was able to transfer to a store in the city, um, and, uh, had made some contacts obviously while I was at school and while I was singing, um, the gentleman that was the director of the church I was singing at in Princeton, you know, he had a lot of good contacts in the city and I had a few friends that had moved to the city before me, some upperclassmen friends. Um, so that helped. Um, so I had at least something to kind of get me started. Um, so, you know, I kind of just started beating the pavement and, you know, paying my dues that way and trying to work myself up the the ladder, so to speak. Um, and I, it took probably about the better part of a year until I started really booking anything. And, um, like I said in my previous email, it was more, um, regional work that I did. I'm trying to think what the first thing was. I think the first thing I did was probably like the summer after I moved to the city, I got booked for like a a summer stock season. Mm -hmm. Um, I was part of the Bucks County Playhouse um, company. They had um, their sister theater up in the Poconos, Pocono Playhouse, which is since, which is no longer (laughs) burned to the ground. Um, Lots of drama. Um, But, uh, it's under different management now, but at the time, um, yeah, they, and then they also had an open air theater, which was, um, just across the river on the Jersey side. Um, so I kind of did stuff at all three that summer. Um, and then gosh, rest of it's kind of a blur. Um, but it was, it was off again, on again. And then I had also got connected with a really good temp agency, um, through a friend of mine, uh, shortly after I moved to the city and they were great about finding me work whenever I wasn't on stage Mm -hmm. somewhere. Um, you know, they said, just come back to us whenever you need something, you know, we'll do our best to, um, find a placement for you. So that was nice to be able to fall back on. Um, I was singing with Philadelphia singers. I had started that while I was still in Princeton and then maintained, um, that for about the first 
year, maybe first two years I was in the city, and then at the busier I got, it was just it was too much trying to go back and forth. It's a lot of travel. Yeah, um, there was a couple groups in the city that I sang with as well. Um, one holiday season, I um, sang with a professional caroling group, so that was kind of fun. Um, yeah, what else? So then, you know, forward to what was it? 2010, something like that, um, is when I started to um, pull out of the musical theater world a little bit, and um, my temp agency um, found me this um, gig at this private school on the Upper West Side, which started just as a receptionist, which quickly morphed into this much more extensive administrative assistant position in their admissions department, and then they hired me directly um, to be full-time through the school. Um, and that was great because I had never had like perks and benefits like that that came along with it. Um, I was really close to my apartment at the time. Um, so, but it was like, I'd be there, you know, eight or nine hours and then I'd come home kind of drained from the day because right. I was, I was doing that type of work, but I was still at like a front desk area. So I was kind of dealing with both sides, both ends of the spectrum there. So a lot of times parents would come to me because they knew that I knew kind of what was going on around the school. And so you're dealing with their issues and whatnot. So I'd get, you know, home and be like, okay, I have no energy to like pursue anything else right now, which, you know, after a while that really started to bother me because that, you know, I wasn't mm -hmm. in the city just to be working a desk job. Right. Um, and it was, I was definitely in a rut for a while. Um, and that was, it was really a struggle to try and dig my way out of there and figure out, okay, what is it really that I want to do and how am I going to make that happen? Um, so I was at the school for, I guess, three years. And um, we were in a, and they had just expanded and the building I worked in was a new facility. And so this, and they were, they were still growing. And so there was constant like change and transition happening. And there just was um, a lot of turnover in the um, in their employees, and I kind of saw the writing on the wall, but didn't have enough time to prepare myself. And it was just kind of like one day, it's like, mm, don't need you anymore. And I was like, okay, yeah. <laughs> um, and looking back, I I I don't know how I handled it as well as I did. Um, but I think I was so ready for a change, um, that it was, it was like, it was the swift kick in the ass that I needed because it's like, okay, now you don't have a choice. Now you need to make, you know, do something to make a decision. Yeah. It's funny how life does that to you sometimes. I've had that happen yeah. myself. So, um, I had about, um, I don't know, maybe like two months or so, um, I had enough of a cushion that I could kind of float on for a while. And um, then a friend of mine from college, who was also living in the city, um, had just launched um, this company called NYC Manny's. And um, he, which just exploded overnight. Um, at, he was doing these radio broadcasts. He was on like Good Morning America and he was on like the BBC. And like, because it was like the hot new thing, because all these like, high-profile families and celebrities were hiring men to watch their kids instead of women. It was just like the trend, you mm -hmm. know, because they were realizing, oh, well, 
you know, especially maybe single moms that wanted sort of that um, paternal figure in their kid's life, you know, and um, it just it just took off. And so I think I was one of, <clears throat> excuse me, if not um, the first placement that they did through that company, sort of like officially. Um, I think they did some sort of um, trial period with some people. Um, so that was nice because, um, it was pretty much an after school thing for me. And, um, it was allowed me time during the day to really focus on some other options that I might want to pursue. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I did that for, I guess it was maybe about a year really, um, and it was like, okay, well, this is nice. I mean, um, the family treated me well. Um, and it was nice to kind of have that flexibility um, in my schedule. Um, but it was like, okay, I wasn't, nothing was coming together. And I was thinking more and more about possibly opening my own business, a small business. And I wasn't about to attempt that in the city because mm-hmm. um, there, I mean, Yes, there's a market for everything, but there's already, you know, right. people doing it. <laughs> right. So, um, I was, um, in a relationship at the time and it, my circumstances were starting to affect that very negatively. So it was becoming very toxic between us and we just made a decision really mutually that was just like, okay, we need to, at the very least, take some time apart and, um, figure things out and then, you know, recess things later and see what happens. Go from there. Well, um, like I said before, um, things were starting to fall into place back here at home very quickly. (laughs) Um, and I just kind of took it as a sign. It's like, you know, I think it would be good if nothing else to just get out of the city for a while um, and clear my head, um, and see what happens back home. Um, maybe an opportunity will arise as far as a a small business, um, is concerned and, um, we'll go from there. So that was almost four years ago now. (laughs) Um, but it's been, um, it's fantastic. I mean, I, I would do it again like that in a heartbeat. Um, because I kind of hit the ground running when I came back here, which I think kind of helped with, the adjustment. I mean, people, so many people that I've kind of told this story to, it's either like, Oh my gosh, how did you, you know, you're from a small town, um, in rural Pennsylvania. Like, how did you ever adjust moving to the city? And it's like, well, I had connections. And while I was at Westminster, we did a lot of performing there. So it was somewhat acclimated. Mm -hmm. wasn't a huge shock to me. And, or I get the flip side. It's like, how do you, you know, go from spending eight years in the city to coming back to this? I was like, well, I knew what I was coming back to because nothing had changed. <laughs> um, and I also took it as a sign when I, I, I found myself coming back to visit um, Pennsylvania much more. And I'd stay for longer periods of time. And then I'd get back to the city, you know, and I'd be walking, you know, to my apartment from the subway. And I was just, I could just kind of feel the weight just start to lay. I was mm-hmm. like, okay, here we go. Um... Because there's just, well, there's a really, there's a constant energy in the city. I mean, it's true what they say about it's the city that never sleeps. It's absolutely true. 
Um, and you can feed them that energy even when you're not necessarily part of it. It does kind of help mm, motivate you and give mm-hmm. some of you momentum to propel your life along, um, even though it's you're kind of living on the sidelines and living vicariously through what everyone else is doing. But um, there's also this just constant pressure to just um, impress everyone, you know, and and uh, sort of one-up everyone and, you know, always looking kind of over your shoulder. It's like, well, what's the next best, you know, bigger, faster thing coming along here? You know, um, there's definitely, I think that mindset. I mean, New Yorkers are very proud of their city, but yet they also still have this sort of notion. It's like, well, the grass is definitely green on the other side. So if we see the potential that something better is coming along, we're going to go for it. And that holds true even in relationships and trying to meet someone. I mean, because you kind of feel like you never have their undivided attention because it's kind of, wow. yeah, you know, and I found myself kind of falling into that times too. I mean, it's just, it's, it just, you don't realize it's happening and then you're kind of like, oh yeah, well, you know, this person's great, but, um, look at that person just walked in the door sort of, you know, and it's like, it's like, what? It's like, wow. who am I becoming? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that was another reason that it was just time, um, to get out. And, uh, so when I moved back, um, I guess, I don't know if you have any other questions from all of that, um, before we, I do actually, there's, okay. there's one in particular that okay. I want to get to before we get too into Pennsylvania and away sure. from New York. Cause you, you mentioned how the industry had changed. Mm-hmm. Was it just because the economy shifted or were there other things that were going on? The then? economy, as change? far as, um, what theaters, you know, their budgets and what they could spend on things that affected it. But then, like I said, just the, the growth of the competition, the, you know, the, the level of interest in musical theater just seemed to spike, you know, over a very short time. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of like, okay, um, and I, I mean, I don't mean to sound conceited, but like I went, I'd be standing in line outside of audition rooms and hearing people ahead of me. It's like, well, I can sing circles around that person, but they're not going to hire me because I, you know, can't dance this part or I don't maybe, um, have the right look for them, you know, or I haven't mm-hmm. worked with this director, you know, I haven't done, you know, all these national tours or this cruise line or whatever. And I get it, but yet it's kind of like, well, you need experience to get experience. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know if there's any other sort of just, um, specific factor that really stands out as to why it changed. Um, I'm not sure, but when you look at what has been on Broadway, the fast past few years, there was, there seemed to have been, um, even a change in what was being produced and even like the sound that you heard on stage as far as vocal sounds. Um, and now it was, it was really leaning towards a much more, um, poppy, um, pop rock sort Mm -hmm. of, um, thing. And now I feel that there's, there's, there's another shift where kind of maybe going back to that more, um, classical sounds, um, classical Broadway sound, I should say, um, which I appreciate not just because of my training, 
but I just think, well, those those are the those are the people that are going to have careers, really. Mm-hmm. Um, people that know how to use their voice properly. Um, you know, we don't like, and it's okay to not really maybe make it big, so to speak, um, until you're in your thirties or forties or later. I mean, that has happened a lot in the Broadway industry. So, cause your voice is still developing, you know, when you're in your twenties. So it's to hire someone who says, Oh, well, you know, you have the exact look like you want and blah, 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 blah. And they're up there in a role singing about something that they really know nothing about. It's like, how, what can you bring to that, to that role? Yeah. Really? Um, so that personally for me was something that was always sort of frustrating. <laughs> sure. Yeah. And that's a really good point. I don't think a lot of people think about that, mm-hmm. that, you know, your own life experience goes into what you can do on stage. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, so, yeah. Okay. Um, in your email, you'd mentioned to me that, that you could feel your soul slowly dying oh, gosh. at the desk True. job. Yeah. And I think that, I'm you just know, not wired for that. <laughs> not. There's some of us just aren't. Yeah. I think there are a lot of people who can relate to that feeling, but I'm wondering, like, how did that manifest for you? And when, you know, what made you realize that, no, really, this is, this is toxic. I got to get out of here. Um... I definitely, I feel, went through a little bad depression there for a while. I mean, not like severe clinical depression, but there was just kind of like, I, I just did not, in, in some ways, I am very much a creature of habit and like having routine in my life. But when it comes to my work, I need variety. Mm-hmm. I can't just be doing that nine to five desk job every day. I'll just go insane. Um, so... Yeah, I think it that was just so draining um, to just have that sort of that type of monotony in my life. Um, and then it's just like I just didn't have any ambition to really do anything or even have much of a social life, honestly, um, even though at that time I was probably making more money than I did at any other point while I was in the city. Um, you know, it's just kind of like I just but. <laughs> go home and pour myself a drink and just watch Netflix or something, you know? (laughs) So, which is like not why you're in the city. Right. (laughs) Right. Probably feels like a waste of what you could be doing while you're you're, there. Yeah. Pouring all this money down the drain and rent. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. New York city rent is nothing to, nothing to blow off easily. No. (laughs) So, and that, you know, when the waste, when this whole, notion of possibly moving back started to become much more um, solidified. I was like, oh my gosh, like I'm paying more in rent what most people pay in their mortgage. Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah, that just became more and more um, appealing. And I've noticed, uh, towards, I would say, the last maybe year or two that I was there, um, in both watching some of my friends and just, you know, watching headlines and just, you know, things on social media and whatnot. Like, I feel like there was a little bit of a shift and maybe it wasn't across the board in, um, 
in large cities, maybe it was just New York, but it was kind of like, I just, it just seemed like in a way New York was kind of over to some people and they were just oh. getting out. They were like, okay, we're done with this lifestyle. You know, we're realizing the benefits of something a little bit slower paced, not in a major metropolis. Um, and, um, when I moved back here and got connected with, um, some community organizations, um, including the new, at the time was a new, um, re local revitalization committee. Um, and some of the people that I met through that, um, that served the surrounding counties, it just, I, I saw it even more. Um, I saw like families moving into these, to these types of areas, um, that were just looking for space for green, um, for good schools, you know, and just still maybe having access to the th things that they found in the city. You know, they didn't want to be like hours and hours away from that, which we're not here. Um, you know, Wingsport's 45 minutes away, uh, Harrisburg's 45 minutes away, Hershey, Philadelphia, they're not that far mm -hmm. really. Um, so yeah, I think, I think that's something that's still happening. Um, so we'll see. Fair enough. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I think especially for creative people, finding yourself without an income can be super terrifying. Oh my gosh, I've you know, always been poor. Much more than, than for, <laughs> say, an accountant who's just going to go out and yeah. say, I'm going to get another accountant yeah. job. Um, so when you found yourself in that situation, how did you figure out what you wanted to do next? Did you have like a process or did it just sort of come naturally? When I lost the job at the school or when mm -hmm. I moved back here? Um, probably both. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like you sort of fell into the, the Manny thing. Yeah. But... Which I mean, they pay me well, but it wasn't mm -hmm. like, you know, it wasn't like I was making a six right. salary. <laughs> and it wasn't what yeah. you ultimately <laughs> wanted to do. No, no. Um, I, gosh, well, I still had the church job. I still, you know, always did like a professional singing gig whenever I could pick up something like that. Um, cause that was easy money, you know, and didn't take up a lot of my time usually. So I just had to learn to really kind of, um, strap myself down financially. It was just like, okay, um, you can't go out to eat at all these nice restaurants, you know, every night or whatever. You can't go out and spend $50 on drinks with your friends, you know, the, um, so yeah, I mean, my parents helped me. I mean, they have just been have so generous and loving and supportive, um, because moving to the city was not anything that they, I think ever anticipated or were really in favor of. I think they just kind of got used to it. <laughs> um, so in fact, the first, at least the first year that I was up there, they kept my car um, that I had when I was in Princeton, just thinking it's like, oh, this isn't gonna, you know, this mm -hmm. won't last, you know? And then he'll move back or he'll move somewhere and he'll need a car, so it'll be here. Well, the car has since been sold a <laughs> long time ago. So, um, um, yeah, I just, you learned how to become very frugal in the city, which doesn't sound possible, but it can be done. Um, and then when I moved back here, um, like I said, I, uh, my parents had bought the house that we are now sitting in. Um, and, uh, they were sort of, uh, looking at that as, um, 
just a possible um, investment. Either they would fix it up, rent it out, or maybe flip it. And then when I moved back, um, really didn't want to be at that time. How old was I? 31, I guess. Didn't really want to be living at home with my parents any longer than I had to be. <laughs> so I was like, I can handle next door as long as I have my own space. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, we, you know, we just dove headfirst into a renovation here, um, which was much more extensive than what we probably, they probably would have done otherwise. Um, so um, then I think, so I lived at home with them for about six months, I guess, until this place was inhabitable again. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the, the church that we were our members of, um, and attended, um, approached me about taking over as music director there. The lady that was doing it for several years, who was a good friend of ours was just ready for a break. Um, but knowing my background and my training, they realized that, um, having some dollar signs behind that might be much more um, enticing, which it was. Um, So I was like, okay, yeah. Um, So I started doing that and then I applied to start subbing for the local school district. And then, um, like I said, then they approached me about helping with the shows at the high school. Um, What else was I doing? I was in the summer. I mean, I was always doing landscaping jobs for people or even just mowing lawns, which sounds really sort of, pathetic in a way, but I enjoy it. Um, it's kind of like, to me, it's very therapeutic. I can just kind of like be alone in my Mm -hmm. thoughts and clear my head, that sort of thing. Um, and then last summer, the corral, um, you know, they hired me to come on the executive end there. Um, so again, I, I have, I have income come, you know, coming in from different places. Um, and, uh, I, it definitely provides a lot of variety. Um, there, you know, definitely some busy points in the year when I wake up, it's like, okay, who do I have to do what for today? (laughs) Um, that sort of thing. Um, and that's just, uh, that's kind of where I am right now. Um, I am still toying with the idea of a small business. Um, been looking at a couple spaces locally. Um, and, uh, that's, that's very daunting because I don't really know what I'm getting into exactly. Um, I, uh, I've thought about starting to try and do something out of my home first or maybe have a partner. Um, so, but I really like the possibility of being able to control what I do. Um, I think as a creative person, you know, when you, when you have that, that mindset where you kind of want to mold things the way you want to shape it and, um, just have that freedom, um, you know, that's, that's very alluring to me. Yeah. Um, and you're, you know, I'm also a perfectionist, but I think is kind of, that's, just is the nature of a lot of creative people. So it's just like, okay, I want to just be able to do this exactly how I want it and be my own boss and, um, you know, make, see what I can, what can come of it, what I can make of it. And, you know, I think anyone that has opened their own business, you know, you pretty much, you have to throw yourself into it. I mean, 
twenty four seven until yeah, it's it not really, a small thing. Yeah, it's not only a um, name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So your your story about the car made me wonder. I mean, when when you decided that you wanted to pursue music in the first place, even maybe when you were a little kid mm-hmm. or when you were in high school, how did your parents respond? Were they supportive? Or oh, absolutely. Were they kind of like, yeah. Okay. Um, I definitely get. Well, yeah, I get the my musical inclinations from my mom's side of the family. Um, so I was always exposed to music at home. There was always music playing. And then when I was probably around five or six, um, my parents bought a piano and my mom and I actually started taking lessons at the same time. Um, and then she went back to work full time and just couldn't keep up with it. Um, and I think anything like that comes harder when you're an adult. Mm -hmm. Um, so, but I was, you know, always singing in like the children's choirs at churches and then kind of moved up through the ranks there. And, um, then when I got to high school, you know, was involved in everything, chorus and band and marching band and drama and all that. So, um, but I still had this interest in landscape architecture. So when I was looking at schools, I was actually initially only looking at places that offered programs in both, which are few and far between. I would think so. Penn State was one of them. Um, but in the end, the music won out. And um, like I said, obviously ended up going to Westminster. So, but yeah, they were, they never, um, you know, they never really thought twice about it. They were very supportive and encouraging from the get go. Cause they, they saw it was just like, it came so naturally mm-hmm. and I enjoyed it so much. And I excelled at it, you know, wasn't, you know, wasn't like some, it's like, oh, well, you know, you, you're such a good singer, but you're really not. Right. <laughs> um, so, yeah, they, I think they, they saw a lot of potential. They saw um, a future there with that. So. Um, That's great. That's such mm-hmm. a gift. <laughs> such a huge gift. It seems to make a really big difference. Not that it's not, not that it's insurmountable if your parents are, you know, kind of saying, are you sure you don't want to become a doctor? And yeah. Money? Yeah. But, but it seems to, to really make a difference if, if you've got that behind you. It's yeah. So much easier. I, I, there are times when I feel guilty and I'm sure it kind of makes them, I don't think makes them worry anyway, at the very least that I'm not really using my degree, my educational degree, um, to the fullest extent. Um, but, well, you know, talk about the, you know, education world. That's a whole other conversation, (laughs) but, um, yeah, I, I mean, I had a great student teaching experience and then I taught briefly. It was kind of like this long term substitute position. Um, that was before I, I moved to the city and um, that was okay. I was I was teaching a, a music program that was not well supported by the district, um, but uh, I think the the longer I was in the city and I was doing other things, I just kind of was like I, I had no pull to want to go back to that at that point. I thought I was like, well, maybe once I get all this out of my system, you know, mm-hmm. and nope, <laughs> never really came back around. And now. I mean, gosh, I've been out of the classroom, really, um, for so long that I would have a lot of catch-up work to do. 
um, I think just getting, you know, recertified whenever I would need right. to and just, you know, and becoming familiar with what the new standards are and all of that. So, um, I think that ship has sailed. Um, but you know, I definitely feel there are parts of my education, um, that I'm still have, have helped me and I'm still implementing, um, into what I'm doing now. I mean, and if nothing else, just the vocal training, I mean, has definitely, um, aided me. So. Well, if you're, you know, helping out with school musicals, you're still school doing musicals, music like education. Choirs, you know, so, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, and even, I mean, I play, I'm an accompanist, um, at our church. Um, so I'm still keeping up with piano. Um, so yeah. And I've thought about taking on students with piano and vocal. And so maybe when I can find, you know, five free minutes in my <laughs> week. To... <laughs> so what advice do you have for somebody who can feel that sense of, of slow death and needs to just kind of figure oh, out man. their path? It's hard if you don't, you got to have a good support system. I don't mean like, I mean, I don't mean financially. I mean, even just, you know, a good support system in friends and family that can kind of just rally around you. But financially speaking though, too, I mean, you can't, you can't make something out of nothing. Um, um, so you gotta, that's, that's a good question because it's rough. I mean, everything costs money. Um, so I would, hmm, reading some good books helps, um, just talking it out. I tend to internalize things a lot and then kind of get myself into these, these ruts, you know, and I think it helps if you can just voice it, um, or if, if it helps you to just kind of write down, I mean, write down what like, you know, um, your hopes, dreams, and wishes are. Don't put a timeline on things. That never works. <laughs> um, so this is my five-year plan. Well, okay. <laughs> we'll see. Um, so I had a friend that I uh, from high school um, that I hadn't seen in years and years and years. And um, we met up sort of randomly. That was probably a year or two ago. And um, we were kind of having a similar discussion. And she said, I have to when I'm in those sort of places, um, make a, I forget what she called it now, like a, like an inspiration board, so to speak, mm -hmm. you know, it's like, I need a visual, something to aspire towards. Um, and I can see that working. I'm, um, very much a visual learner. So for me, I could see the benefits of that. Um, you can't, you can't just sit still and, um, you know, just, dwell on, on things and pine over it because it's just nothing will happen. If, if anything, it'll just become worse. You know, you kind of get into a darker place. Um, so you can, you know, even if you just decide to do something that's completely unrelated, like just go out and volunteer for something, um, just be active somehow, even if you're not doing anything at all connected with what you think you might want to do. Um, 
I think that just kind of helps to get the creative juices flowing a little bit. That makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anything that gets you out of that, that environment. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So how has travel and I define travel really, really broadly for mm-hmm. the sake of this podcast. So it can be anything from, you know, flying around the world to just the fact that you grew up here and then you lived here right. and, and whatever. How has that influenced your creative life? I haven't traveled nearly as much as I should have or would like to. Um, most That's just mostly because of time and money right now. Um, but being at Westminster and then, you know, ultimately moving to the city where you kind of get the best of the best um, exposed me to what's the standards are for a lot of different things. So, um, I guess that helped me. That's the, oh, okay. You know, it gives you, it's inspiration. Um, it gives you ideas. Oh, okay. I never thought about maybe, um, presenting something like that or, um, it's just, you know, I think it just sort of encourage you to always be raising the bar in your, yourself because like, okay, well, I can, you know, if that's kind of like what's on the pedestal is the pinnacle of like what they consider the best of best. So, well, okay, I can at least try and aspire towards that. I don't know. I haven't really thought of it that way before. Um, yeah. Probably if I would travel more, I'd be better <laughs> able to answer that question. So... I think sometimes you don't necessarily realize at yeah. the time or until you stop How and think you're about being it. Influenced. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, you may think of something later. Okay. <laughs> you know. <laughs> sure. And and I have one one final question which mm-hmm. is you know, a lot of people think if you move to a place like rural Pennsylvania, you know, there's nothing happening here or you know, there's not going to be able to do anything. I'm just going to be stuck yeah. sitting in my house yeah. or, you know, talking to my neighbors, but you know, where would I go see a show? Where would I go do and something? And I'm just wondering, like, you know, what, what you think are the, the best unsung, overlooked, you know, mm. kinds of things in this area that people might not realize are here? Well, hit pause. I'm going to go pee. <laughs> and then I'll answer that question. Because they're right. It's not important. Fair enough. <laughs> um, hidden gems. Mm-hmm. Um, well... I will say, I mean, living in central PA or any rural area like this, I mean, it's not for everyone. I mean, even some people that grew up in it can't stand it and can't wait to get out. And that's fine. Um, It's still very much an agricultural area. Um, I think people really um, take pride in that. So there's kind of a, a, a strong sense of appreciation for maintaining and preserving just kind of the countryside. And so you have a lot of um, um, parks and state game lands and, you know, these rails to trails that have sprung up um, just to take advantage of that, um, of the beauty around here. Um, so, again, maybe not for everyone. Um, but there's other, there are sort of these recreational places coming up, you know, can rent canoes and whatever. Um, 
there's a lot of wineries and breweries popping up all over the place. Um, That whole um, industry really is taking off and becoming more popular. I think it's becoming sort of... um, there's less of a stigma, you know, it's less frowned upon. So it's like, oh, let's go grab a beer. It's like, mm-hmm. it's okay, really. You're not a bad person if you <laughs> go out and have a couple of beers. Take the edge off a little bit and forget about the day. <laughs> um, so there's that. I mean, it's not, though, like you can, you know, walk down the street and walk into your favorite boutique store or, you know, super... Um, um, I want to say sort of yuppie cafe or whatever. It's just that doesn't exist, which is something I do kind of miss. I have to confess, um, just being able to, um, you know, call up friends like, hey, I'll meet you five minutes, you know, and just have a great cup of coffee, that sort of thing, and be in that type of atmosphere. Um, you have to you have to get out of the area to find that sort of thing. Um, even shopping, I mean, I would say in general, we're a good 10 to 15 years sometimes um, behind the trends till they kind of reach um, these nooks and crannies of the country. Um, so you have to, so sometimes you just have to be willing to get in a car and drive somewhere. Um, and, uh, that can be a little, um, that can be hard because you have to sort of really plan for it. You know, um, it's like, okay, we're going to take a day trip and we're going to do, go do X, Y, Z. And you have to plan it out because it's not just, you know, right there on your doorstep. Mm -hmm. Um, but there are, there, there are things around. And as far as like being involved and taking advantage of opportunities, I mean, there's, I mean, if you are a religious person or connected with churches, I mean, there's so much stuff happening in the churches around here um, that they do for the community. Um, so there's that. I mean, there's uh, the chorale that I sing in um, is very unique. There's really nothing like that around um, here. Um, so... As far as the arts go, it's definitely a little um, thin. Um, Not super culturally diverse either. Um, I don't know if... I don't really see that changing anytime soon. There doesn't seem to be a drive to want to develop this area in that way. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. People seem content with that. And that's fine. Um... So, yeah, that's probably about all I can say on that. Okay. (laughs) That's great, though, because, you know, I think there is usually more in places like this than people think that there is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, all right. Well, thank you very much for taking the time to talk to me today, Adam. Thank you very much. That's our episode. Thanks for joining me. And thanks again to Adam Dietz. You can find show notes, the six creative beliefs that are screwing you up, and more at fycuriosity.com. I'd also love for you to join the conversation on Instagram. You'll find me at fycuriosity. Follow Your Curiosity is produced by me, Nancy Norbeck, with music by Joseph McDade. 
If you like Follow Your Curiosity, please subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to tell your friends. It really helps me reach new listeners. See you next time.